go to John chapter 7. I'm going to talk today about the gift of love um, and maybe differentiating a little bit. I mean, I've just had my 45th wedding anniversary, which I'm uh, rather pleased that Kathy has hung around for the long haul and uh, has worked me out. Um, I think she needs a certificate for having worked me out. Uh, maybe it's simpler than what I thought. It just, uh, it's just that she's kept it close, sort of figuring me out. Um, and I'm appreciative for who the Lord has given me. But I, I want to talk um, uh, more today about this wonderful thing that comes from God that is beyond us, to put it in a nutshell. Um, there is uh, The world talks a lot about love, and uh, I think it knows less and less about what it really means, uh, unfortunately because uh, it has dressed it up um, uh, as a, an outward thing and has uh, run away from the inward thing in, in many cases. Um, and perhaps I, I, I want to touch on, first of all, uh, the things that, are, uh, that trouble us, that are, that are hidden, that don't show on the outside. And maybe just uh, here in John chapter 7, and verse 24, it says, the Lord says here, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now, the reason he says it is because that's what we do all the time. We, uh, we look at people and make assessments, um, often before we know them and make judgments often before we've really, um, had a conversation with them to understand uh, much about their life. Um, and, but perhaps, um, the thing that Jesus, uh, we know was so good at was that he knew a person's life. And so when he came and had a, a one minute conversation, it appears sometimes he just had a one minute conversation with people. I don't know how long it went on for. We just got a sort of piece of it that he would just hit the nail right on the head of the one thing that they needed to be challenged with. And, and he, it's not like he was whipping them. It was like he was opening a door for them and saying, if you could look at this, you would be free. And because he could discover what it was. And, and so often, um, I suppose, uh, in life now, the more that people have experimented with, uh, removing all borders of behavior, you know, with changing all laws that say certain behaviours are wrong. The more that people have experimented with that, the more pain has come and um, and maybe it's uh, become even more exposed in the current times that we live in uh, that um, those things which people have struggled with have, be- have, have maybe risen even more or become a bit more apparent. And so there are people who have been... Uh, Badly treated in life, and there might be people here who have been tr- badly treated in life uh, in a way that maybe is not easy to express. And there are people who have treated others badly in life, and we could probably all say at times we've done less than our best, but sometimes there are things that we've done which we don't want to admit that uh, have not done us any good. And so with those two things, whether we've either been badly treated uh, can come sort of deep-seated anger, um, or if we have treated somebody badly and kept it in with that can come guilt 
that just uh, remains and is carried through in our life. And sometimes you can look at a person who has something like that or be looked at by others. You know, let's say it's ourself. And people might judge us by some of our reactions, not knowing where those things started. And um, Jesus was exceptional in this area. Let's go to Luke chapter 7. I find myself reading this story um, from time to time. Um, I just feel it's very much a story for our times. Um, I'm not saying that the other Bible stories aren't, but this certainly touches uh, a lot of people's lives at the moment. So in verse 36, and one of the Pharisees uh, desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman of the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now, this is something I think was precious and precious to her. And uh, she brought maybe her best gift that she could bring. Uh, a little bit symbolic of... Uh, of what was about to happen. And in verse 38, And stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, uh, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of man this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And so here comes the judgment. Uh, that was the judgment of many in the community uh, of this particular woman uh, for whatever she had done. And the, the, we see as this, as this unfolds that she certainly had done things. Um, and for whatever reason she did them, there were things uh, I believe she felt guilty about and was not able to release herself from it. And uh, And others weren't going to release her from it either. And in verse 40, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore which of them will love him more or most. And Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman, I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, he acknowledged that, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to, to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Now that's a very important point there in verse 50, that it was her faith. You, you can't go past that bit, that it wasn't that she was seeking sympathy. It wasn't that she was um, just shown 
kindness or understanding by the Lord, there was an element in her that understood that Jesus could release her, that she really believed that that was possible, that what no one else could do for her, that when she came into his presence, that forgiveness was possible and her life could change. And so we sort of uh, have a woman here who has realised that being in the presence of Jesus was something rather unique. And maybe um, if we could put us put ourselves into that position, you know, if in some way we are troubled or maybe we go back to when we were saved. Uh, but if we're even troubled now and we see ourselves in the presence of Jesus, where would we sit? Would we sit as the Pharisee looking at others or would we be honest with the Lord and and come to him and say, I actually feel comfortable to be able to talk to you about the things that are troubling me. I need to say it. I need it to come out. It, it's It's not doing me any good. And so here she felt safe in the presence of Jesus um, and she didn't have to mouth it because he already knew. But I guess she would have if if that was the need to happen. So she felt safe in the presence of Jesus, so much so that she was thanking him ahead of his comments, knowing what goodness she was going to receive from him. So she's come prepared with a gift of thanks, knowing what he's going to do for her and how she's going to walk away from their release. And she does it in front of those who are critical. That hasn't stopped her. That no matter what the judgment, I'm used to that judgment. I've copped it every day for I don't know how long. I'm used to it. But I'm going to go past that to find the one who really is able to help me. And so she she gets to this terrific point. Um, one of our brothers who's been involved a lot with uh, mental health was uh, showing us something recently about... Um, uh, I'm sure if it was a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but the interview was with a famous or very experienced person in that profession. And the, the question was, um, how much do you think that you actually do for people in your profession? And he said, very little. He said, uh, I think the best thing we do is listen to people and let them feel hurt. Because they didn't, he didn't feel that they could actually change people's lives, that they could turn it around for them. Now the difference with Jesus, and, and that's not to knock people who are trying that, because um, a lot of people need to be heard, and and do feel a bit better when they have been heard. But the real solution is a is in Jesus Christ, and. The, the best solution because the difference with Jesus is that he's not just going to apportion blame where blame ought to go and, and, and try to reconfigure all your thinking. He's just going to wipe it clean. That's, that's what he wants to do. He just wants to wipe it clean. And, and that's what's so amazing about the New Testament is, is where it sort of stands out, uh, as something incredibly unique where everything is tidied up. When Kathy goes through our, our garden, our yard, and she's finished with it, it just looks whoosh, clean, tidy. You know, and that's what the Lord wants to do 
in here and, and, you know, for it really to work well. Hebrews chapter four. So the Lord's not trying to do a man clean. He's trying to do a woman clean. <laughs> Proper one. <laughs> Hebrews chapter four. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like us, but without sin. So that really makes him qualify to a greater degree because he's not saying, look, I know how you feel because I'm going through it too. And I know how it feels and I'm struggling as well. He's, he's coming from the position of, I've probably been through more than you, but I've actually had a victory over it all. And, and that's the person to listen to. And in verse 16, he says, it says there, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we don't have a God of fear here that is drummed into people through religion. You know, the, there are various religions we know that get around, some Christian religions, some other religions that have a way of drumming fear into people that God is watching. Doesn't that make you feel great? God is watching. We were, Kathy and I were going for a, I walked the other day, so we had a couple of days off and um, we went for a very long walk actually, <laughs> I'm feeling it, and um, down at Waipinga Beach and uh, in fact I've got a great picture of me surfing, I haven't shown it to my son-in-law yet, but I found this rock just out in the water, I'm standing on the rock and and as soon as the wave came up I said, Kathy, take the photo, so you can't see the rock, so it looks like I'm surfing, anyway. So, don't tell him. Um, he won't believe it anyway. He'll be looking for something. What was I talking about? That's right. As we were walking along, Kathy had found a scripture that helped her. Um, she couldn't remember which one it was, but helped her understand a bit about every eye seeing Jesus when he comes back. And we just got talking about it while walking. And, and you sort of think about that the whole of the globe, how does it see Jesus at the same time? And so we've got the sun out there a long way away and we can't all see it at the same time. We've got the stars even further and we can't see them all at the same time. Um, I don't know how the flat earth people work on that one, but apparently <laughs> they must have some way of saying that we can see all the constellations at once, but no one can. You can only in the northern hemisphere, you see some in the southern hemisphere, you see others. So we can't see them all at the same time. How are we going to see Jesus all of a sudden? And yet the Bible tells us that he's here, like he's in us. And so it's more about a revelation than it is about a sudden thing from out there and so when you sort of think about that that when he comes back okay what about people inside buildings are they going to see him what about people who are underground basements mines are they going to see him 
and says that the heavens shall depart like a scroll, but that can't be the sky, because that heaven, I don't think, because that's all going to remain in place until later down the track. So somehow, he's, I mean, the angels can be coming all around the globe, there's lots of them, but somehow this appearance everywhere of Jesus Christ, everywhere, in every nook and cranny of the earth, he's going to appear. And it says no one will know where to hide. Now, what I got out of that is that, okay, that's a that's a day that people need to be ready for. But what I was thinking about it is that that's how it is right now. And that's meant to comfort us. That if we're in a, a basement, if we're in a mine or wherever we are, he's right with us. He's, we just haven't, we can't literally see him, but then we will see him as he sees us. All of a sudden it'll become apparent. I don't know how, but there's a lot of things we're finding out that we never knew. We're finding out about, you know, in years gone back about all sorts of microwaves, how light works, how sound works. We're finding all these depths of things about the ozone and how all that works. We're finding out a lot of things. We have got no clue about how the heavens work. But one day we're going to get the physics of that and it's going to be, it's going to blow our minds. So when we think here of this high priest that is with us, he says, let us therefore come boldly, not in fear, but knowing that he is right by us saying, I know what's happening. I know. I've always known. I've seen it all that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's go to Luke 23. In verse 34, we've got Jesus here on the cross. And remember he said, if I be lifted up on the cross, he said, I will draw all men to me. And here he is on the cross in verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. They treated him shockingly, and this is the greatest gift of love. And And... We sing, you know, Jesus keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain. Free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. You know, they're great words that are given to us that when we go back there in the middle of, you know, of our busy days and all sorts of calculations we're doing at work or people we're dealing with or things that aren't quite working or whatever, Sometimes we just draw away, Jesus keep me near the cross so that I realise that the things that are testing me, you know, you understand, you'll heal me, you'll clear the things that need to be cleared so that it's no problem to me anymore. That's what he was doing here. He said, Father, forgive them. And so the great thing is for, for anybody who's visiting here today is that the the first time you really, really taste of this is when you get baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit. And the good news for you is you don't have to sign up for a six-month course and it's not going to cost you anything. In fact, we whiz it through so fast that you'll think, how did that happen so easily? And that's not out of uh, being um, disrespectful or flippant. It's just meant to be easy. You know, we read in the scriptures that when people 
when all of a sudden they were convicted in their hearts about what they heard, it says the same hour they were baptised. And then they prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit, or the other way around. And within an hour, you've got these people who are unbelievers, and all of a sudden they're going, wow, this is for real. And what did it take? One hour. No long course. This is Jesus nailing it with us. And all of a sudden the forgiveness, the guilt, the anger, the Lord says, wiped clean, wiped clean. That's the first time you'll taste of it. Now you, you'll need to taste it, taste of it more than once. Because through your life, even after you get filled with the Holy Spirit, life doesn't become squeaky clean and perfect. I think when you first come to the Lord, you feel like it's going to be. You look around, you go, wow, look at all these stories and all these things that are happening to people. Life's going to be a breeze. But the Lord fills us with this experience to cope with the experiences that lie ahead. And then when they come, we will call on him again and we will find his forgiveness there again. We will find his mercy there again and we'll find that constantly it is helpful to us in the way that we operate in our lives. Um, James chapter 5. James chapter 5 and in verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, um, confessing your faults, there's two really good ways to do it. One is to go to the Lord and just deal with him direct. He's always available. Sometimes we need a bit of a hand and it's good to go to a brother or sister that has overcome and is able to to guide us through it. Um, Maybe a bit of a natural example. Uh, Some years ago, I've never had a boil. I've only ever had a boil once and I had four of them. Is that what they call a carbuncle? I remember them being here, big uh, um, group of them, pain in my back, and it just sort of swelled up. And um, I went to uh, um, a doctor, sent me to a specialist, and um, he just lanced it, gone, all fixed. So let's go into someone who can help. I remember a sister who had a boil uh, on the back of her neck, and she um, she's just really looking for the Lord to heal it. And she was at a meeting, at a house meeting one night, and she just felt all of a sudden she wanted to give her testimony about her boil being healed. So she gave her testimony, and in her testimony she said, my boil's been healed. And as she said it, her boil all of a sudden just burst. It was just over and finished. <laughs> That's going to the Lord. I prefer that story to mine. Um. And it's the same with uh, maybe other boils, things that that get in and, and get stuck in us, and it's often about relationships. I can't forgive. I'm I am so over what that person has done to me in my marriage, I cannot forgive them. And yet we've got some amazing testimonies in our fellowship, and they, they, those stories don't always come from the platform. Sometimes they come in private, uh, where they're needed, where people say, 
Yep. Yeah, I understand. Had that problem in our marriage. And this is how the Lord healed it. And, and we found forgiveness. And now our marriage is better and stronger than it ever was. And we get people where maybe the marriage hasn't worked at all. And it's gone south and one's gone from the fellowship. The other one stayed in the fellowship and, and, um, and perhaps, uh, there can still be residual. In fact, I'm sure most of the time there's a residual effect that lasts for a long time. And, um, and it can, you know, there can be a, an anger, a bitterness that can remain. And I think the Lord wants us even to be free of that. That even if that person has done us damage, and, and I know this is easy to say, and I haven't been through it. It's very easy to say. It's easy to read out of this book and say it. But Jesus is saying it. And we've got brothers and sisters who've been through such things who can say it. Because all of a sudden there's this gift of love. And I, I can't, can't put it any other way. Because I don't believe that we're always equipped to be able to say I can get rid of that bitterness by myself. But one day when we decide, even if that person isn't walking with us anymore, and, and not having much to do with our lives, or maybe they deal with us with children, but we can say, actually, I'm free of the bitterness. I actually wish the best for them. In fact, I'd love them to make it good with the Lord somehow or other. You know, that's, that's what I feel inside, but that's something I think only comes from the Lord. I think that's very hard for us as human beings. You know, you imagine yourself sort of sitting uh, close in a room with a person that has done badly by you and you're sort of trying to make like you're good friends again. Not easy to do. And uh, and yet, if you're really healed, then all of a sudden you can just treat them as another person, as a human being, and and think, well, perhaps it, it, it can be different. Maybe um, you might feel that you've been misjudged um, or you have misjudged somebody. Uh, but there comes a moment where where, again, love, mercy, forgiveness sort of comes to the fore and we can say sorry or we can act sorry. Maybe we don't have to say it sometimes, but we can just act it, act differently and realise we misjudged um, somebody and give them another chance, um, as we would like the other chance, another chance uh, in our own lives. and. Um, and to be able to set these things right before the Lord comes back. Because that's what the Lord's wanting to do in us, is that that what we're not capable of doing, you know, we we look at the miraculous, and it's great when a broken leg is healed or when when leukemia is healed. Yeah, absolutely. And And these are the things that do draw people. But this subject here today, there's a scripture I just want to finish on, and John chapter 13. Because this subject is probably the most important subject as far as drawing people to the Lord. Verse 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. In another place he says, love your enemies even. And in verse 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. 
not because you can say I'm right and they're wrong, but that we can just be at peace within ourselves that God is in charge, God is the judge, God knows. And he is the one that has enabled us to find a place of peace when perhaps peace didn't come easily. And that testimony, I believe, is is something that the Lord is pointing out to us here, that when other people see us and they know us, our family members, the people we work with, and they know what we've gone through, and they say, how do you find peace now? How do you how do you enjoy life now? How do you stay happy now? And and they're just blown away at times by what happens amongst the Lord's people when peace reigns in us. Because the love of God has said, we're going to live forever. The love of God has said, we don't have to hold things against people. And you know, maybe some of the people we hold things against are going to be in the kingdom of God with us, right next to us. Um, as long as we make sure that we're not sort of getting ourselves caught up with issues that we don't need to get caught up with. And I'm not trying to make light here at all. I'm not trying to make light because many of us don't understand the depths of things that others go through. You know, you, your situation is specific to you. There'll be similarities, but your situation is specific to you. But God knows it. He knows it in detail and he knows exactly how to fix it and to make it so that your life is happy, you feel free, and you're just, you know, bursting at the seams. And so much so that not only will it show to others, but we will want to tell others about it. Because we say, you wouldn't believe what the Lord did for me. You know, this went wrong, that went wrong, and that went wrong, and then the Lord pulled me out of it. And we thank the Lord for that. And hopefully... If you're visiting here today and um, hope some of this might mean something to you, but come and try. Just test it out. See what the Lord can do for you here today. You won't be disappointed. Amen. Amen.